Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. No sponsor wants to work with a pain in the butt investor that asks a million and one questions because it's an indication that once you're in the deal, you ask a million and one freaking question because some people have it in their head where they feel entitled that they think that they are the customer. Yeah, if you feel that way, go work with Vanguard and all these other like institutional operators that are just robbing you blind anyway. This is a story about a dude named Lane. Then one day he went and tried to rent them out, and then he became one. What questions can you ask a syndication sponsor to understand how they are addressing the risks of the deal? Take a look at the syndication e-course. There is a checklist and on that checklist there on one of the tabs, there is a myriad of questions. There is a gazillion, I think, let's see if I can find it for you guys. Basically, you can find dozens and dozens of questions you could ask. This kind of comes into LP etiquette, right? No sponsor wants to work with a pain in the butt investor that asks a million and one questions. Because it's an indication that once you're in the deal, you ask a million and one freaking question. Because some people have it in their head where they feel entitled that they think that they are the customer. Yeah, if you feel that way, go work with Vanguard and all these other like institutional operators that are just robbing you blind anyway. They have all the money and the bandwidth to spend a whole bunch of money on investor relations staff who graduated with a psych degree the year prior. As far as working more directly with smaller operators where you have better returns, better security, it goes both ways. The dating goes both ways. You're dating the operator as much as the, the operator's dating you. But what are some good questions, like legit questions, other than asking 21,000 questions? Top three, just off the top of my head, ask a break even what occupancy does this thing have to run at for us to start to lose money? That's the biggest risk in a lot of real estate deals is like, can you keep it occupied? And at what level do you start to lose money? Most projects that I would feel comfortable in would be in like the 50 to 70% range. We've had projects, you know, go dip into the 80, 70% range or less, but it doesn't last very long. And if it, if it is, there's something going wrong and there's something that needs to be fixed. But typically, if you have a good property that is priced, you should be able to run that thing at 90% or better. There's really no reason other than if there's some kind of underlying issue that's going on. Another best question I, I would always ask is, what is the reversion cap rate that is used to come up with the numbers? A uh, very common mistake is that investors will always look at the splits, right? How much splits is coming? What are the fees? But as I tell a lot of my family office guys, like it has nothing to do with that. Look at the deal, how the deal stands on its own. Who cares if you have 90, 95% of the deal and the sponsor only has 5%, which is another issue, right? If the sponsor's cut is so low, the sponsor doesn't care after a certain point. It's not going to, they're not going to run it like it was their own because it isn't. They only own 5% of the deal. But yeah, make sure the deal is going to stand on its own. And again, like what assumptions are they using? To me, the biggest assumptions are, now, what is the reversion cap rate being used as the assumption? What are you assuming the rents are going to go to? Does that make sense? Or is it just overplay? And from that point, you can get a sense of where the sponsor's head is at in terms of how conservative they are. Don't buy the whole underwritten conservative nonsense. Really, what is the numbers that are being 
Someone had to really push me on a third thing. Track record. It's hard to verify track record as a passive investor. But then again, it's not really a question that you should be asking the sponsors. It's, it's a question you should be answering from your network who's already invested with the sponsor. A lot of these questions should be answered. You shouldn't need to ask the sponsor these things, in my opinion. You should already be doing your homework. But I guess so maybe you can ask, what is the current rents today and what are the rent bumps going to be in the future once if there's any value add now if they're bumping the rents up four hundred dollars like that to me is a head scratcher like that kind of shouldn't happen unless it's a severely like great deal off market you just don't see that especially in stabilized apartments that are 90 percent occupied or more you don't find those this website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes every investor situation is unique always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax investment and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein if Information is not guaranteed, as in every investment, there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion, and things change, and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself, because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.